0: Episode 5, South Texas Tales. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you right here. If you have a story to tell, please send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the show and are interested in getting access to exclusive extras behind each episode, consider helping us out by becoming a Night Owl Patron. Visit Patreon.com/slash/thenightowlpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. How Patreon works is you set up a small repeating donation of your choosing. It can be as little as a dollar a month. It's basically a tip you're giving us for each episode. These contributions will help cover the cost of things like web hosting, editing software, equipment and all the little things it takes to make this show happen. Patreon is safe, secure, and easy to use. You decide how much you'd like to give per episode, and if needed, you can easily cancel or suspend your contribution hassle-free. In return for your support, we offer you exclusive access to deleted audio segments, follow-up interviews for past episodes, video walkthroughs of locations we investigate, my personal video diaries where I share secrets and personal thoughts about each episode, and a bunch of other really cool stuff. So go check out patreon.com slash thenightoutpodcast, and I hope you can join our Night Owl patron community. Hello and welcome back, my fellow night owls. I am very excited to bring to you a very special episode tonight that's going to stray from the norm a bit, or at least the norm that you've become accustomed to on this show. Tonight, you're going to hear what I like to call a campfire episode. This is where, much like in the style of most campfire tales, Individuals gather around and share their own personal ghost stories. How this differs from the other episodes you've heard is that these stories are simply told by the individuals who experience them. I don't investigate the claims or try to get to the bottom of them. They're simply just standalone ghost stories, most of the time not related to one another, that I gather and curate into a single episode. Some might consist of several short stories put together, and others might consist of just one or two longer ghost stories. Tonight's episode is the latter. Featuring two really unique and fascinating tales of the supernatural that both just so happened to take place in South Texas, a region I like to call home. So gather around listeners, get cozy, and enjoy the show. This first piece features testimony from several members of a family who all experienced unexplainable things while living in a ranch house in South Texas. Some of the testimony was recorded in person, but a majority of it was captured through phone calls, so please excuse some of the rougher sound on those. I like to call this piece The Boy in My Room.
1: Hi, so my name is Clint Trevino. I'm 27 years old, and I come from a small town called Pawnee, Texas. Currently, I live in San Antonio, but my story is about when I was around 13 years old, um, living in kind of like a ranch home out in the country. I was hanging out with my cousin, Red. He was about the same age as me, 13, 14. And we were riding four-wheelers run one night. We got home around like 9 or 10, came inside. My little brother, Joseph, I think he was 5 or 6 at that age, um, was watching TV with a cousin of mine. Hung out, watched TV. Next thing I know, I had fallen asleep watching while they were watching TV when I woke up. They were still watching TV. It was probably around 1 in the morning. And I told them, hey, guys, I'm going to go to bed. Like, I can't stay up any longer. I'm exhausted. So told them good night, went to my room, shut the door, turned off the lights, went to bed. Next thing I know, my room door slammed shut with, like, so much force that it kind of shook the wall. And I remember waking up, I mean, It was one of those things where your eyes kind of just pop open out of fright. Like I remember waking up and looking towards my front door and not really seeing anything at first because it was so dark that my vision hadn't adjusted. But once it adjusted, I saw a figure standing in front of my door and it was just enough to where his head was above the doorknob. And I noticed immediately that it was a boy, which I thought was my little brother. I could kind of make out just a shadow of him. It was just the shadow of a boy. I could see that it was like a shorter haircut, and um, he was standing there facing me, just staring at me. So once my eyes kind of adjusted and I'm staring back at it, I said, Joseph, um, my little brother. And as soon as I said the name Joseph, it shot down to the foot of my bed. And it shot down so fast in, like, the motion of the figure. I knew immediately that it wasn't my little brother at this point. And uh, I remember, you know, chills just coming over my whole entire body. And I remember still seeing the figure, but now it was hiding from me at the foot of my bed to where I can just see uh, maybe, like, the top of the forehead and the eyebrow area. And at this point, I'm freaking out in my mind, and I'm thinking... There's only one way out of the room, so I don't know, you know, what's where it's going to go from here, but I knew there was a window behind me, and I kind of envisioned myself busting through that because I was pretty scared at the time. But I said Joseph's name probably about three or four times after that, trying to, like, maybe convince myself or hoping that I would get a response, but nothing. So at that point... I found the strength to kind of raise myself out of bed and uh, peek down at the figure. And as I peeked down, the figure went even lower to avoid being seen. Then I kind of went to the left, peeked to the left and down to try to get a better look and it went even further. At that point, the figure started crawling to the right side of my bed and I had a computer, desktop computer sitting at the left side of the room So as the figure started to crawl around to the right side of the room, I ran to the computer, shook the mouse and the screen, lit up the room, and as I looked, there was nothing there. And uh, that night, I went to my brother's room who was gone. I slept with all of the lights on, woke up in the morning, and I remember calling my grandma because I was trying to make sense of it all. And I told her what had happened, kind of reluctantly, but I had to tell somebody. And I just remember her telling me that I needed to go to church immediately because it was it wasn't good. Whatever it was, it's not good to see ghosts or or what whatnot. So prior to me seeing the ghost. I know that there was some activity in my house, but I'd never really like believe it to be true because I had never had an experience like that happen to me in the house or ever really in life. But about a year and a half to two years before, my brother had had kind of seen and heard something and I never really believed it because I had never had an experience like that happen to me in the house or ever in life. But what had happened with my brother was um, it was probably about 10 30 p.m i was sitting in the kitchen doing my homework my mom was in the kitchen kind of cleaning up after dinner and my brother my older brother andrew who's three years older than me he had gone to bed early probably about 45 minutes after he had gone to lay down in the room we hear like his room door open and like he comes running down the hallway you know kind of like almost hysterically but like he came into the kitchen so quick that it grabbed our attention so me and my mom both looked at him like what the hell is wrong with you and he is looking at us literally like he just saw a ghost.
2: Hey, my name's Andrew Trevino, and uh, I'm Clint's older brother. And uh I'll let y'all know what happened to me back when I was in high school. I was about a junior. You know, I was living with my mom and my stepdad and my two younger brothers. And uh, it was just a regular night, and I took a shower and was, was heading to bed. And I remember getting in bed and, and just relaxing. And I put a... CD on. It was one of my only, but one of my favorites. It was a Metallica CD. I was listening to one of my favorite songs. I actually put it on that song so I could go to bed to it and uh, I laid down for a few minutes, closed my eyes and was trying to go to bed. My CD player actually has some LED lights on it. So, you know, if it's pitch black in the room, you you can see the the glow from the the buttons. So anyway, I was laying there in bed and, and, and listening to the music and trying to go to sleep my CD sounded as if it was skipping. Basically, I'm sure everybody's heard that before. A CD skip, it just doesn't sound right at all. But uh, it started skipping, so I was thinking to myself, like, man, I hope my CD, you know, my new CD is not not messed up. And I hadn't even taken it out of the out of the the CD player. And I just bought it a couple weeks ago, and it's the only CDs I had, so I listened to it every day, basically. And uh, anyway, so I was laying there, and it started skipping started to sound like it was scratched, so threw my blankets off. As soon as one of my foot hit the ground, it quit. I was like, hell yeah. Threw my blankets back on, closed my eyes, laid there for about another five minutes with my eyes closed, trying to go to bed. But it started to do it again. and I was like, God damn. And it was it was really pissed off at this point. And I let it play. I let it play like that for about a minute. And I was like, if it did this a while ago, it, it might be scratching. and it'll go over to me. Well, I finally get pissed off, throw my blankets off again. As soon as my foot hits the ground, it quits, and it plays again, just just like it's normal. And I was like, shit, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed then. Get back in bed, cover myself up, and I'm laying there, got my eyes closed, and just jamming out for a little bit, but another five minutes. Let's start doing it again. I look back at my CD player, and it's just, you know, maybe three feet from me. And uh with them buttons and those LEDs on there, I was looking at it, see if I see anything weird, uh, if it's skipping or anything, and uh I see something cross it. You know, when you get a light, let's say you put your hand across a light, you see something basically black it out for a second. Well, what freaked me out was seeing this, something cross it, but not only that, it was... To me, in my eyes, was a hand, because there was breaks in between the blackness. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you put your hand across a light, you'll see your your fingers go across it. <laughs> so I was like, holy crap. And I, I just jumped out of bed, and, and I, I ran. <laughs>
1: So he, that's when he kind of jolted out, came and talked to us about it, and me and my mom kind of didn't really know what to say. We had, hadn't had seen or heard anything. I think my mom told him that it was the kind of music that he was listening to at the time that was causing this. Even though he was scared, I felt like he knew that he didn't really have our
2: support. He just kind of blew it off. I ended up going to the living room and sleeping on the couch, man. It was never the same. I uh, ended up checking the CD in the morning. It was no scratches, I mean, it was brand new CD like I said it was I just couldn't believe what had happened I'm the type that's gotta see it or experience it to believe it if you know what I mean I don't like to uh, listen to too many things and and, and just get worried about things you know I'm more of the type that likes to uh, experience it myself and that was definitely an experience and an eye opener to what what uh, else could be out there
1: yeah that was that instance but there was another instance after that, probably a year later, me and my family, my two brothers and my cousins, we were all really, really close growing up. We we're all kind of similar in age. I have a cousin that's about two years younger than me. His name is Desmond, and he was staying at night. So we would stay up playing Xbox at night and kind of have like sleepover type deals. And uh, one night we stayed up playing video games really late and we went to bed. I think I crashed out before them, but... I fell asleep in my bed. He was actually like made a pallet and was sleeping on my floor.
3: I was about about 13 years old. It was just your average night there in Pawnee. Just nothing much to do, really, especially at night at that age. So, you know, we just played video games and watched a little bit of TV, you know, had dinner. And then, you know, it was once time, it was time for everyone to go to bed. You know, we all picked our spots. So uh, it was red and clint in clint's room with me on the floor and andrew in his room with joseph and that's how we slept well everyone had dozed off and i for some reason i couldn't sleep that night i don't know i was just out so finally i you know just kept thinking and so finally i started getting a little sleepy and i was starting to drift off to sleep closing my eyes opening them occasionally you know that went on for a little bit and um One of the times I opened up my eyes, I just, I don't know, I just saw something. It wasn't clear to me, but I saw something like underneath the, uh, I was asleep next to a piano and right underneath the piano in the distance, I saw something move. It was a little confused and it was real dark. You know, I thought maybe I was seeing something, but I focused a little more. I had been in the dark, you know, so it was pitch black, but you could clearly see there was a figure, you know, right there under the piano. So, I just kept looking at it, and then it just started moving like towards me, almost crawled, and its face got maybe within about a foot of mine. And it was creepy because this little boy looked exactly like my cousin Andrew. But he was little. this was this boy probably had to been about three or four years old. And he saw me, and we made eye contact, and he just had this real real scared, almost surprised look. And then just like that, he just, he just dissolved. He kind of crept back in the piano, like back to where the spot he was. But by the time he went back to the spot where I initially saw him, he literally just dissolved. Like it's like he just went into powder and just fell down. So I was a little freaked out, you know, that happened. (laughs) And I literally remember the words I said. I said, oh, shit and I got up to look at Clinton and Red. They were asleep and I kind of woke them up, told them what I saw and they, you know, they, I don't know if they were just half asleep or if they didn't care but they kind of just, they kind of just went back to bed and, you know, I was a little freaked out so I went and slept on the couch.
1: I didn't hear anything about what had happened till the next morning. I woke up and was eating breakfast with everybody, my cousins, my brothers, and my mom told me that She saw Desmond in the middle of the night, really scared she had got up to get water or something. And she said it was like 4.30 in the morning and that he was sitting in the living room watching TV, kind of just like in a daze. And she was like, why are you up so late? Like, why are you still watching TV? You know what's wrong? And he told her that he had seen a little boy. The last story or encounter that I have of that house, I didn't know, or that we had in that house, I didn't know happened until we actually left. So uh, my parents built a home after that house. So once a new home was built and we were living in there, we kind of talked about our experiences, what I had seen and what my brother had experienced and what my cousin had experienced. My mom and my stepdad were sitting there and they actually said that they had experienced something too, which was a shock to me because this was probably like two years after it had happened.
4: The only experience we ever had was one night Rachel and I were going to bed, and, you know, we were going to sleep, and and uh, the the washroom was next to our bedroom. It was just a door that divided it, you know. And uh, we heard the dryer door slam two or three times real hard, you know, we both woke up and looked at each other. And I'm like, well, who's up right at this hour in the laundry room, you know? So I got up, turned on the light, and walked out the other bedroom that went to the living room and walked around to the kitchen and into the into the washroom, and there was no one awake. No one was up. No one was around, you know, and that's, that was just, to us, that was very weird, you know, that we, heard, we both heard it, and it was, I mean, just, we knew exactly what it was. It was the dryer, the dryer door just slammed, like I said, two or three times, and there was nobody awake. All the boys were asleep. Nobody was up. You know, we had heard the boys' stories. And, well, we hadn't really, I don't think Desmond had really told us what he had seen till after, you know, Clint, Clint had told us about his experience. But, yeah, after, after we heard that, it was like, you know, well, maybe something is going on in this house.
1: So my first response was, why didn't y'all tell me? And they said, well, we didn't want to y- freak y'all out, you know, anymore. And we didn't really know what, what it was. But so they had heard some activity, but didn't really let let me know until probably two years after we had already left the home. So thinking about what I saw and why I saw it and why it was in the home, I, I never like really had a set theory of why it was there, but I think one of the One thing in my mind was that maybe it was attached to that organ, but that organ came after my brother had had his experience with the whole CD player. So I don't know if those were connected or if it ruled it out, but the night after I actually saw the ghost, which seemed like it lasted 20 minutes because it was kind of like a longer experience than I would have expected for my first ghost sighting, but after that happened... I slept the in my brother's room with all the lights on and uh, my parents left for work. I was 13. My brother was five or six, I believe. So I would watch him during the summer because I was too young to work and he was out of school. So he was asleep in my parents' bedroom when I got up that morning and I went and lay down beside him just to have like someone next to me because I was still a little freaked out. And then I woke up and... My little brother told me that he really had to throw up. So I told him, run to the bathroom, you know, go, go, hurry. So he he ran, but as he ran, he threw up like a white, white substance onto the bed. And then I fell asleep, you know, just like passed out like I was exhausted and couldn't stay up any longer. And then I woke up as he was crawling back into the bed and I told him, hey, did you go... Like, did you, did you make it to the bathroom? Did you throw up? And he said, I didn't have to throw up. And I said, yeah, you told me you had to throw up. And he said, no, I just had to go pee. So in my mind, I thought, am I going crazy? Because I swear that he, he told me, you know, he had to throw up and the throw up was real. But then I realized that it was just kind of like a dream that I was having, which confused me even more because I had just seen a ghost and then it was almost like I was seeing things. So... That happened, but that was the last time. Right after I I saw the entity, that was the last time that I ever had, like, a a vision-type thing. Like, that happened. So I thought to myself later, like, maybe that's uh, the ghost trying to tell me what happened to it. But I didn't have enough, like, information to go on to, to really conclude anything from that.
3: Prior to this incident, I had no experience with paranormal activity nor did I believe in it. Somebody would tell me a ghost story. I'd kind of, you know, think they were crazy or just say, you know, it's all in your head. You saw something that wasn't real is what I was thinking. But after this experience, I I definitely am a believer. You know, it's it's pretty crazy to think about that the fact that there is actually supernatural beings out there patrolling the earth, just popping up randomly. So I, I felt like I really did see a ghost Obviously, I saw it clear. It was it was a little kid. Why it came to me? Um, it came to me that night because I was at a in a position where it could easily hide. It, it could easily hide, make itself so visible, and then quickly go back into hiding. Um, who knows? It, it may have very well gone to everybody in that house that night. You know, I may have just been the only person that saw it.
1: Till this day, I really haven't had any any other paranormal experiences happen to me. When talking about ghosts or spirits, I just always told people that, you know, I'm not, I don't think that they don't exist. I don't think that they do. I just think that I'll believe it whenever I see it. And having that kind of happen to me, I definitely, I'm a believer now that spirits and ghosts do exist. I don't know if it's for a purpose or if they're trying to show you something or if it's just like by chance but I definitely saw and I definitely experienced it but that was one of the last experiences or encounters I've ever had I've never had anything since but it definitely was an eye-opener for me
0: you enjoyed that story. This next story takes place on one Halloween night in Corpus Christi, Texas. When a group of college friends decide to have an old-fashioned seance instead of the usual dress-up party, they get a bit more than they bargained for. In this story, you'll get to hear from two individuals who were there that night. Alexis, who was leading the seance at his apartment, and Roy, a good friend of his, who was a witness to these events.
5: My name is Alexis. And I currently live in Austin, Texas. This story, however, took place in Corpus Christi, Texas, when I was going there for college. It was Halloween, and every Halloween we had always been doing, you know, going downtown or going and doing other things at other places, like parties. And I wanted to have an old-fashioned Halloween party, and we had a seance. And it was basically... Myself and a few other friends that I knew were interested in occult metaphysics like I am, as well as a few friends who weren't so interested or maybe kind of were skeptics. This was kind of like a way to see if we could prove that. We could contact somebody from the other side so uh, all the guests arrived and we started off with you know i I took a table basically and i set it up in the center of the apartment and we put chairs all around it and we decided to start the seance pretty close to midnight it started off pretty normal the way most seances start with basically nothing happening it was pretty quiet for a good long time there was a good part where we realized like maybe nothing's coming thinking that we were just kind of wasting time. After a while, we started to call up names of famous people. And then we got to the point where we're so bored. We're just like, well, whoever will come. This is when things got a little different. A lot of this story, I don't know because of what happened next. I had to get retold by people who were there who witnessed this.
6: My name is Roy. I live in Chicago. And this story happened on Halloween night in 2002 when I was living in Texas. Uh, I actually haven't told the story in a while because I think that it may be, I think it might have lost its potency with just with myself. But for for a number of years, it was uh, like I I had a hard time telling it not because it was traumatic, but just, I don't know, I guess I still have the heebie-jeebies from the entire thing. It's Halloween night, and I had no plans, but a friend of mine, he was going to have a seance at his apartment. And so I was like, all right, fine. Well, you know, let's, let's go to the seance. It sounds interesting. I mean, I like horror movies, and this why not? haven't done it before. But I've always had an interest in stuff like that. So we went to his place, and, you know, we had a few drinks, just chilled out. We didn't get drunk. We just Chilling out for a while, and my buddy, he, uh, he knew all the ins and outs and rituals and how to go about doing things, and, you know, he, he was going to lead the way. There was about seven, eight of us in total at this little gathering. I won't call it a party. I'll call it a gathering. Now, uh, we all sit around this round table in the middle of his living room, and it's a small apartment, and, you know, everyone's kind of in a creepy mood. This is Halloween, and it's, just, it's fun, and we're all like... We're all literally teenagers. I think the oldest person might have been 20, might have been. And in the middle of this round table, which wasn't very large, by the way, was a tape recorder, just to tape the entire thing, you know, for, for posterity, let's say. <laughs> there was one girl at the table, and she was still one of my good friends. She lives in New York now. And her father, when she was very young, died. And I think it was in a plane crash or, or, or a helicopter, one of the two. At one point, we asked, is this person, is this, is this man here? And nothing was really happening. But the room jet- literally got colder, which is, okay, fine. And so it gets colder, and I think to myself, oh, that's just me being a little creeped up by the whole thing, right? But then we're all holding hands at this point, you know, around the round table. And the girl to my right, I notice that she's, she's very, very still and she's not moving her head she's not blinking i'm like well okay all right i guess she's just really really into this right now and the girl who was going through this is also one of the people who considered themselves a wiccan
5: we were all with you know hands joined eyes closed concentrating and i started to breathe really heavily and you can actually hear me on the tape kind of breathe really heavily Now, the two other girls that were there that were interested in in metaphysics, I think one was interested in Wicca, and the other one was kind of came from a lineage of witches. Her mom was a witch, and her mom's mom was a witch.
6: And then we asked, if you're there, again, this woman's father, let us know, knock three times. And we still do, nothing's really happening. Then another girl at the table kind of lowered her head, kind of hunched over and her long hair was just going everywhere. I mean, she was swaying from side to side to side, not like maniacally or fast. It was very rhythmic, but, and it was very minimal movement, but it was, it was noticeable. She was just kind of swaying. And I thought, well, okay, I don't know what's happening there either. And then it got weird, as if all this wasn't weird enough. My friend who was leading the entire seance kind of fell silent and he too kind of dropped his head and started looking at the ground and the table and he started to breathe hard in and out, in and out. And after a while, the breathing started to become moaning slightly and, you know, this guy was the leader of the whole troop, right? I was just a spectator. I was just there to have a good time and see what happened. So. When the guy leading the entire seance is now literally losing control both of the group and of himself in a number of ways, the cause for concern is starting to heighten exponentially. Now, we start to hear a noise, it's kind of whispering and it's, it's, it's faint and again, I'm trying to parlay all this creepy feeling onto me just kind of being spooked out by the whole thing, right? My friend, the guy who leads into seance, he starts kind of winding about and he starts kind of breathing in and out and he's going oh, oh, oh. and the girl who was next to me to my right, she's still not blinking and she's looking straight ahead and she has a very, very, very blank face. And she's, again, she's about 18 years old, and she has long blonde hair, almost whitish, very, very pale blonde hair. And she's very short, and she has a very pointed nose, and she's and she's pale skin. And so she looks very um, specter-ish already just by her general disposition. So the fact that she was staring blankly into nothing, into the darkness, because no lights were on in the apartment, just a few candles on top of the table. And as all this is happening, and as, a, and as my friend, the leader of the séance, he starts kind of moaning louder and louder and louder. He finally, in this moment, uh, we you know the the candles are flickering. Uh, I'm saying I'm saying to the girl to my right. I I won't say her name, but I'm saying, hey, are you cool? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because she's not talking. She's not responding to me. The second girl who was kind of swaying from side to side, she has this very I'll call it, sounds odd, she has a very lustful look on her face now. She has like a half smirk, and she's staring out into nothing. And then, again, this is all kind of culminating and rising and rising, and things are getting weirder very, very, very quickly. And control has obviously been lost upon the group.
5: In my mind, or what I was seeing, was basically two forces, one red and one blue, kind of battling, and if, if I could describe it, it would kind of be like two tigers fighting each other, but not like actual animals, but more so like two strong, powerful forces of those colors. Um, that's all I remember from the situation. Then uh, apparently the, the other two girls, one of them was just kind of staring off into the corner and would not blink or move, <laughs> And she was just staring at something. The other girl kept seeing something flying around the room, like on the ceiling. She was just kind of following it with her eyes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the other people in the room, mostly the, the skeptics of the room, were basically just flabbergasted and they didn't know what to do.
6: Just then, my friend, the leader of the entire group, he screams. And I'm not talking at to the top of his lungs. I'm talking from the bottom of his gut. He lets out this gigantic moan, a giant moan. And I'll try to replicate it for you right now. And listen, it's been like over ten years since this happened, but he's spinning, and he's, it's it's obvious that he's in some sort of pain. And he just goes, oh, and it's a very guttural shout from this the depths of his of his of his whole being, you know. But while he's moaning, the girl who's to my direct right, a a single tear falls down her face. And she's still staring blankly into nothing. And then when my friend, the leader of the group, comes to after moaning, he's panicked. He he can tell, he has his his eyes open. He looks lost, he looks scared. And he says, oh, okay, everyone hold hands. And he starts saying this chant, saying this chant to get rid of whatever is happening whatever is in the room, whatever is going on things are happening and it it was very confusing
5: I don't remember any of this but as I give that scream apparently the other girl who was seeing something in the corner who was not blinking at all apparently according to the witnesses starts crying or I think it was like one single tear is what I heard and the other girl just kind of like the one who's seeing things flying around the room just kind of jumps back and freaks out I start kind of coming to my senses and everybody else as well. And we kind of stop at this point because everyone's kind of freaked out. You know, I guess it worked in a sense, like Halloween, seance, everybody's done with what happened. One of my friends who's there, my friend Roy, who's, you know, at the, at the time a pretty big skeptic, he kind of sticks around. Everybody else leaves except for Roy and my friend Jean, And... Um, they all leave, and literally, like, as the door closes, Roy turns around and goes, Hey, good job, man. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, good job. You really scared the crap out of those people. And I'm like, Roy, that wasn't planned. This really happened. And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm serious, Roy. Like, this wasn't planned. This really did happen. And he kind of has this, like, moment of hesitation where he's kind of like... Really? Like, are you sure? But he could still kind of think, like, no, no, it just made this up. This is not real, whatever. It was around this time that I, I listened to the tape with them there, and we listened to it, and you could hear, like, everything that I described, pretty much like me breathing really heavily. You could hear them kind of calling out to the other girls, making sure they're okay, but they're not responding. And then you hear, like, me scream, like, this loud, loud, loud scream.
6: When everything was happening, when my friend was screaming and the girl was shedding one tear and the other girl was... You know, kind of making this weirdly, uh, darkly erotic face. We heard whispering on the tape, whispering. And then, as my as my friend screamed, like I previously mentioned, as he moaned so loudly, we heard three knocks like that, which will be asked for from the one from from another girl's father to. See if that person was there. So we heard the whispering and the knocks. And granted, we didn't hear any of this in the moment. We heard it all on the tape later. Just weird, right? So all that happened. We decompressed. We, we, we assured everything. We assured everyone, you know, each, each other that everything's okay now. We're fine. That was weird. My friend who's the leader of the group, he's afraid to play the tape ever again. I think he actually burned it. Quite literally burned it. Uh, the next day.
5: That night, Roy goes home. Dean goes home. Nothing weird it happens to Gene. But Roy goes to his house, which Roy's house is kind of on the outskirts of Corpus Christi, going out towards Kingsville. And he's never had any issues out there with ghosts or anything like that. It's a newly established place at the time, at least it was. And he's talking to his brother, and he's telling his brother the story about what happened in, at the seance.
6: Now, it's like my freshman year of college. I was still living with my parents at the time. And I went home and I, uh, I told my little brother about it. He was, he was just one year younger than me. He's like, where were you? It was like four in the morning. I was like, he's like, where were you? And I told him this story that I'm telling you right now. And the lights in the bedroom were on. And the room is, is a regular sized bedroom for, you know, a teenager, right? And I'm telling him the story much more vividly and in a much more animated fashion than I'm telling you right now. You know, a lot more details. I give him the whole script for the entire night. But when it came time to go about retelling the part where my friend screams and the girl cries and everything like that, when I reenact the moan that my friend did, and it's a quiet street outside, the neighborhood that hadn't been developed yet at all. I mean, it was still just a bunch of new houses sparsely scattered amongst a few blocks. When I get to the part about the moan, and I have to ask that for my brother, and I go, just like that. Both he and I, literally at that moment, as I moaned, heard a very deep, coarse, guttural moan from the upper corner of the bedroom. And it made me stop short of reenacting the moan in that moment. And both of us looked at each other in, like, total, total fear. We're frozen, because neither of us want to believe that we just heard what we absolutely did just hear. And we open the bedroom door. There's nothing outside. I look at the window. There's nothing outside. But we definitely heard it. We absolutely heard something in the room, scream and moan to us in that moment. Uh, I try to go to bed, take off my shirt and pants, and crawl on the bed. And I kind of let the blanket, kind of parachute on me, you know, kind of throw in the, you know, the blanket on you in bed. And as it kind of just lightly falls on my body while I'm in bed, a part of it to the right of me sinks quickly, then the rest of the blanket. It just kind of sinks in. And then I feel and hear breathing. It's kind of like right next to me. I was, uh, I didn't sleep that night. And, uh, that feeling of not sleeping and having that, uh, I don't, know, I, don't I don't know what i call it, a spirit or a, I'll be honest, or a demon, I don't know, but on this, this, this entity was with me. It absolutely was, without question. And it was there for, I don't know, a number of nights, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. So I didn't sleep a lot in November of 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't sleep a lot. And I want to stress, I do really want to stress, this isn't like, I'm not someone who leads to hysterics or readily buys into this stuff. I mean, I always I mean, I try to be a realist, even at that age. I just really try to be a realist, and I didn't want to sensationalize this memory or this event or this night or what it could or could not have been. I don't want to – I mean, I, I do want to stress that this all is completely matter-of-factly true and absolutely did happen. And my brother was there to back it up. My brother's way more of a realist than I am. Like, like he didn't have an interest in the occult or spirits, but he was definitely there, and he can absolutely – back this all up 100%.
5: It wasn't until I actually went over there and, like, cleansed his house, cleansed his room, that it went away. But for years he would not talk about the event that happened on Halloween. For years he wouldn't talk about the stuff that happened in his room. And it wasn't until many years later that he was actually willing to admit that all that really did happen and it did follow him home. A little bit of backstory to the images that were happening in in my head so to speak the two girls came back we decided to do the Ouija board and this time with the Ouija board we wanted to ask questions and we wanted to know like what was happening what happened that night who took over or what came over us you know so according to the Ouija board there was a demonic presence that came that night and followed Roy home it even said that it followed royal. The only reason it didn't take over me or take over my friends was because another demon was fighting it, which we thought was really strange. So we asked, well, what demon? And it started to spell out this word, which is M-A-L-P, and then it's a whole bunch of gibberish like x one 3 and And I immediately had a flashback to when I was in high school. My friends and I, we used to play the Ouija board at my friend Jerry's house. And we would talk to this thing that said it was a demon. And the demon always said his name was M-A-L-P-X, you know, all these letters. And we always thought that was interesting because his name was Malp. We always called him Malp. M-A-L-P was the only part of the name that you could decipher. Malp used to say that he was called there by a bruja or a witch and was never really let go, and so he was kind of trapped there, and he didn't like being there, but he liked us, and he thought we were interesting because we practiced the occult, and all these things. He also wanted to protect us, and he even talked about protecting us and protecting my friend Jerry's mom at the time, who was very sick. We didn't think anything of it. I'd never even... Thought about it until that day when we were playing the Ouija board again and his name came up. And so by this point, this was, you know, way years, years, years after high school, I had acquired much more knowledge of the occult and I remembered a name sounding similar in the Book of 72 Demons. And in that book, there was a demon called Malthus, M A L P H U S, I believe. So it said that Malthus was a demon that was often seen as a very large black bird. With that kind of information, it made sense seeing that one of the girls there kept seeing something flying around the room. But he basically came forward and said, I protected you, I stopped it, because I always said all the way from back when you were in high school that I would protect you. So I guess I have a demon on my side who's willing to help me and make sure that I don't get possessed or taken over by anything.
6: Personally, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that it absolutely does exist. It really fucking does exist. And years later, year, I'm talking this is actually three years ago you know, from today, I, uh, I went to therapy for a few months. Not related to this, I just went to therapy. And in the therapy session, you know, my therapist was a nice guy. And I mentioned the story to him. And like I said, I don't tell it often because... I mean there's not much of a response you can give to a story like this and I told him the story just for fun just so we can get an idea of you know it's a weird little anecdote and then that moment I realized that um if all this happens and if all this is true and if this is real right if all this is absolutely real then just for my own sanity like I have to believe in God and I'm not religious I'm not a Christian I'm not a Catholic I'm not I'm, I'm not anything I'm 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 agnostic of anything. But I thought to myself, there must be a God if there is absolutely definitively, without question, to me, a darker element to all of this, right? So for my own sanity, I have to uh <laughs> I have to assume that there is an equilibrium and that equilibrium to the harmful um antagonizing spirit that was in my house for that short period of time. I have to assume that there is a lighter side to balance that out. So in a weird way, that night, although completely terrifying and arguably the most scared I've been in my entire life, it kind of gave me this better sense of what is out there besides our own humanity on this planet.
0: I hope you enjoyed our first campfire episode of the night owl podcast as i mentioned i aim to produce many more episodes like this with stories i gather from people not just here in texas but from all over so if you or someone you know have a story to share please 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 email me at the night at gmail.com you don't have to write out the whole story just share a brief summary and your contact info and i'll reach out to you if it's something we might want to consider for the show and a common fear I keep hearing from fans is that they feel their story isn't good enough or it's too short. Don't let that stop you. I'm planning on curating some jam-packed episodes full of mini short tales in the future. So come on, shoot me an email at podcast at gmail.com. Or if you just have comments or want to share some thoughts about the show, I'd love to have some feedback from listeners. Remember to visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thenightoutpodcast and consider becoming a Night Owl Patron. A special thank you goes out there to all my current Patrons... Your recurring monthly contributions help keep the show going and improving. Don't forget to check out all the exclusive extra content on our Patreon page that only you as a patron have access to. I'll be uploading some new extra content from this episode, and some really cool new content from Royal Legion Tattoo and The Tavern, so be sure to go check out the page. One more thing, don't worry, Sarah and I haven't stopped investigating haunted locations. We actually have two new episodes in the works, and several more coming down the pipeline. The Tavern just really did a number on both of us, both physically and spiritually. But we've already got some new cases in the editing room getting pieced together for you for next month's episode. I want to thank my two wonderfully talented musician friends, Nicholas Fair and P.D. Wilder, for providing the music for the show. Please show your support for their amazing work by visiting their websites. Links to them can be found at thenightoutpodcast.com under our credits page. One more thank you for my longtime pal, fellow ghost hunter, and the voice you actually heard on this episode, Alexis. He's come aboard to help me out on the show as an assistant editor, and actually assisted me on this episode. Glad to have you on my Night Owl team, Alexis. Thanks for listening to episode 5 of the Night Owl Podcast. If you're not already, find us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here I post a lot about upcoming episodes, and you get sneak peeks and behind-the-scenes photographs of each location. And as always, make sure to go to our website, thenightowlpodcast.com. Here you can access our blog, which has a ton of behind-the-scenes information and photographs from each episode. Stay restless out there, and we'll see you next time. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.